welcome to another episode of Simply Sales and Marketing. Today we have, let's see if you can guess who she is. We have a, a female salesperson on the call, on the call, on the podcast. <laughs> um, she's a sales consultant and coach. She transforms sales into more inclusive, respected profession. She's all about um, women in sales. She's three times head of sales and she's one of the top 100 most powerful women in sales. She's also massive on TikTok and I love watching her TikToks. I don't know if you can guess who she is yet, but welcome to the show, Leslie Burnett. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yay, it's great to have you. And just before we came on air, we were talking about Sales Team Builder, um, which you founded in, I think it was four months, right? You gave yourself 12 months to, to found the company and get going, but you did it in a much shorter time. Tell us how you did it. Yeah. Yeah. So it was building Sales Team Builder on the side um, as a, you know, a passion project, a, a purpose project for about four years, uh, but really was not looking at it as a income stream was doing it for the reasons you said, like I'm passionate about transforming sales into an inclusive, into a respected profession. So I um, was, was focusing the work there. And then uh, at the end of, of last year, at the end of 2021, decided it was time for me to go all in. So I left corporate in January, you know, had to wait for that accelerator check to, to clear, um, took three months off. And then in April launched as a, a full-time founder. Um, and it's been an incredible journey so far. Uh, as you hinted, I set myself a, a revenue goal for my first year as a founder, which was to grow a six figure agency. And I did that in five months. Um, so pretty big, uh, pretty big achievement there. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It felt good when I <laughs> pulled up my HubSpot dashboard and was like, Oh my, Oh my gosh. <laughs> Look at me. Um, but how did I do it? You know, I think it's so many compounding factors. It's, it's not just one thing. Um, part of it is that I do have 15 years of experience. So I really can sit in that very like in-depth experience and expertise. Um, I have the confidence to know, um, that I, you know, can, can walk it like I talk it. Uh, part of it is our community. So I have a, a really, you know, I think lovely and, and pretty large community, both on TikTok and LinkedIn. So those have been incredible inbound lead funnels. Yeah. Part of it is, you know, I, I grew it on the side. So I didn't just quit my job one day and then try to launch something the next day. I figured out a lot of what didn't work for me, the types of gigs I didn't want to do, the types of customers I didn't want to work with. So that allowed me a clarity of vision when I did become a full-time founder um, that, that certainly accelerated my, my growth. So a lot, of, a lot of layers, I think, that came together to support that success. That's amazing. Can I also say, I know you mentioned you're experienced, and I don't think I've ever scrolled so much on a LinkedIn profile before, because <laughs> there's executive member at Pavilion, content creator at Sales Tips Top, you've got advisor at Humantic AI, GTM advisor at Pause, top of funnel sales coach at Sales Call. I'm, I'm not even halfway through. It's absolutely incredible the amount of work you're doing. So the question was supposed to be, how do you find the time? But actually, <laughs> learning from all of those kind of different entities that you've worked with, have you got one thing that you've always or kind of wished that you had known when you first started off in your career? 
Um, you know, honestly, Sam, what I wish I would have known is that the, the concepts are easier and more accessible than you think they are. Like something that we're really bad about in sales, uh, maybe sales and marketing, but I'll speak specifically to B2B sales is gatekeeping, um, particularly language and concepts. So anybody listening to this has probably felt that like, oof feeling when you join a new organization and they're going to, you know, pull over the synergy and put a pin in it from the GTM to the CAC of the LTV to the, and it's all of this lingo that makes it seem like what we're doing is so hard to grasp. And really what I think makes salespeople exceptional um, are, are some of those soft skills. Like it is surely a craft. Um, and it's something that you have to, to learn and you have to grow into. But at the beginning of my career, I wish I would have had somebody tell me that like a lot of what makes sales unattractive or makes sales feel like less fun is just BS gatekeeping that Mm. people do to make themselves feel better. Oh God, marketing has, I can't even start to count the amount of acronyms we use. (laughs) I I don't think it saves time. If anything, I think it's just trying to get a concept in quickly. And again, act like you know what you're talking about half the time with all this jargon, but I could not agree more from a marketing point as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Talking you know, bringing marketing in, how do you think that you worked in several organizations, you've got 15 years sales experience, so you've seen it from sort of being inside you know, corporate companies. How do you think that sales and marketing teams within these companies can, can be better aligned, Leslie? Mm, that's a, a good and important question. And one that I spend a lot of, of time thinking about and talking about actually before we hit uh, record, Sam and I were, were kind of rapping a, about that. Um, I think the easy answer is that sales and marketing should stop looking at themselves as sales and marketing. And we should start looking at ourselves as a commercial function or as a customer function um, and this builds in, you know, like marketing through to the sales dev function, to the actual like sales function, to customer success account management. Anybody that is touching a customer should have the same set of goals. And I think what too often happens is that we become really siloed and we have conflicting goals or conflicting ways of working or, or maybe most importantly, um, we have like disparate beliefs of what the right way to interact with our customers is. And if we can just get on the same page and put our customers, our buyers at the center of what we're doing, and then align our strategies across the entire commercial function, I I just think that we would, I mean, we would all be better off. Like we would all, (laughs) all have more to show. Maybe the other answer is like, stop worrying so dang much about attribution. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's very important <laughs> have you had any horror examples of alignment in all the places you have advised and you don't have to say names but have there been any real horror cases that you've worked on <laughs> just start going down the list well they did yeah. you know um so i i've been really lucky in sort of the second half of of my career um to get to be a bit more choosy about where i work um, so I'm very, very lucky to have found organizations that really embrace marketing as a function, as a partner to sales. That's particularly true for some of the companies I'm advising for that, that you were kind of listing off my, my LinkedIn. Um, but I would say the first 
job that I had out of uni was like a terrible, terrible example. They would make marketing and sales fight for leads. I know. And so if marketing could close a lead before sales got to it, then they would get half of what the sales payout would be. (laughs) So it was like a play to save money. But then marketing obviously was sending out huge blasts because they wanted to get as many people coming inbound as they possibly could. So it didn't matter that it was like a, you know, 2% reply rate. It was still, you know, 20 deals that they were making extra money on. Um, So it was just this extraordinarily contentious relationship. Um, We hated, like we were, we were made to be enemies in the organization, um, which is terrible for just internal, you know, internal collaboration or cross-functional collaboration. But it was also a really crappy way to treat our customers. So they were getting like email blast after email blast from marketing while simultaneously getting all these, you know, emails and calls and voicemails from the sales team, um, overlapping with slightly different messages. It's just, ugh, that, mm. it's gross. It's gross to even think back on it. God, you can imagine the amount of touch points and spam that poor person's received. <laughs> Seriously. That's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's mm-hmm. gross. So if, if it were down to you then, obviously that's a great example of companies not being aligned, but if it were down to you and you had a magic wand and you could stop one thing tomorrow in sales or marketing or both, what would you wipe off, completely shut down on? Oh my gosh. Um, in sales and marketing are both. I think in marketing, I would stop people from sending out marketing blasts to not opted in contacts. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, you can't do that. In, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you should be doing that with GDPR as well, anyway. I know. In the US, I know. You the rules Unless are crazy. You're sending them obvious, I know. I know. Unless you're sending them uh, to Europe or California. Um, mm. you can still get away with that nonsense. Um, yeah. and I hate it. I go with a double opt-in approach for my nice. own marketing content. Um, but it's a mindset shift, right? It's not about like, Oh, I want to brag about how many people are, um, subscribed to my newsletter. That's, that's not it for me. It's like, I want to make sure that everybody subscribed to my newsletter is getting value. Like we're keeping those open rates above 50%. People are you know clicking on the links, replying, doing the things. So maybe that that's one change on the marketing side. I would say on the sales side, um, maybe it's it's not a change, but it's an evolution, Sam. Like I really would like us to keep gravitating away from seller-centric sales methodologies that are very much like, I, the seller, I, the company, here's a list of our features, to having conversations with our prospects that are relevant, that share value, that um, are are really centered in things that actually matter to them, not just that yeah. matter to us. Yeah, two ears, one mouth, as they always say. Yes. Correct, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, the more that we move away from these seller-centric conversations, and um, I know because I, I, I did all of this in, in the first sort of, part of my career well up until very recently the conversations we are as commission only so most of the conversations that I had with my prospects I was serving my own interest because I wanted to close the deal quickly and make my commission it's terrible I look back and think how did I even do that so you know it's a huge shift to to switch that conversation to you know going in 
if you can't solve the problem for your prospect, then then you walk away and that's it. Mm. But you bring up a really important point, Charlotte, about psychological safety. And I think part of the evolution of moving from a seller-centric to a buyer-centric mindset is an onus on the organizations that we work for to create that psychological safety where, I, I mean, if you've looked at any of my content, you know I hate commission all my sales jobs for a laundry <laughs> list of reasons that we do not have time to get into on this pod. Yeah. Um, but I mean, how many sales organizations have you either worked for or heard about or, or, you know, hired somebody out of where it was very much like the, what have you done for me lately? You miss quota for, you know, one month, one quarter, and you're fired immediately. Um, and it, it creates that type of behavior that, that you shared where, you know, we're kind of forced to put our own interests at the center because we have to do things like, you know, pay mortgages and buy medicine. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I can still, I'm just thinking now there's several organizations that I know in certain places that are still using some of those really awful tactics and putting their teams Mm -hmm. under pressure. Name them, name them. (laughs) You know, you know, I want to name them. Sam is here for the tea. I know. (laughs) If only we could, but let's just say they're not on rep view, okay? They're not on rep view. Or if they are, they have a terrible score. Um, But just don't be fooled by the fact that they might have a big brand name because that doesn't mean, you know, going forward, you know, we're seeing how that's changing as well. Uh, where do you see that? Like, so we've talked about the psychological safety moving, you know, from seller centric to buyer centric um, type selling. What else do you think? And you being a, a huge TikToker, sort of maybe talking about TikTok or beyond TikTok, what is the future for sales and marketing? Oh, what is the future? This is such a fun topic. Um, okay, so <laughs> a couple, a couple of thoughts. I think that automation is part of the future. Um, and not automation and like a, it's going to take our jobs or like, we won't even need the SDR function if we're automating. That's all nonsense. Uh, you know, like I, I said at the top of the pod, like sales is a craft people like, and want to communicate with other humans at the right point in the, that selling or buying process. So I don't think that um, automation, I don't think robots are going to are gonna um, take our jobs, but I do think there's this incredible potential for automation when applied properly to free up time that we are currently spending on maybe low value admin tasks so that we can repurpose that to work that is more intentional, that is more strategic, that is more meaningful. I think that's a really exciting evolution in sales. Uh, and marketing. I think micro communities are going to continue to grow. I mean, I, I think at this point I need to set a reminder in like a year, like I did when I said clubhouse is going to die in like three months and people were like, you are wrong. And I said, <laughs> okay, I will set a, I'll set a calendar reminder in a year. I'll come back to you and be like, I was right. So I think I need to do this now with micro communities, but I feel like it, it to be a thought leader, it was blogs for a while. And then that's where yeah. it got saturated. It was podcasts for a while. And like, that's now fairly saturated. I was chatting with you before we hit record that to get reach with a podcast, you have to have great guests and great editing skills. You can't just kind of wing it anymore. Um, I think the next big thing is going to be micro communities, either ones that we create with our peers or ones that we create with our customers um, to have more of like a community as a service model within the spaces where we work. 
So maybe those are two things I'm really excited about automation mm-hmm. done right and micro communities to create better conversations, more meaningful conversations. Yeah, can I just say, I think I love that point. Actually, looking at automation in a pigeonhole fashion, you're not just saying everything like everyone fears, because mm. we all get these spam sequenced emails which have no humanity or personality in them. <laughs> and that's kind of automation gone wrong. But I completely agree that automation is effective when you're automating those admin, mundane, crap tasks, really, what you don't want to do and you can get that efficiency back and actually focus mm-hmm. on building those relationships. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I don't want more emails in my inbox that are like, Leslie, I see you went to university. I too went to university. Here's the thing I'd like you to buy. Um, oh, but... Yeah, the pyramid scheme coming through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I welcome more emails that are like, hey, since I didn't have to spend 17 hours this week doing crap admin tasks, I was able to spend an extra 15 minutes figuring out what might matter to you. Here's an email that's relevant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Don't go that. The automation route is, I'm so with you on this because I'm at the moment where I'm feeling the pain of not having enough automation in the actual job that I'm doing. Um, It's pretty crazy, but yeah. So having to track things on an Excel spreadsheet, for example, um, Oh, yeah. It Old school. Up, it takes up a lot of time. Um, but there are some great sort of tools out there like Hype Fury. Just got into that. Um, so you can schedule all your posts for LinkedIn, for Instagram, and for Twitter. So, it's, sounding, it's sounding more and more like a marketeer. Scheduling yeah. social media posts is great. Oh, I but love the, it. You know, I still use Canva. To, I, I'm obsessed with Canva. Yeah. I use Canva to schedule my posts. It's amazing. It's a one-stop really? shop, and it pushes out to all of those same channels. I didn't know that. I, I know I, they don't that. pay me, so I'm I'm representing <laughs> free here. But I I swear by it. It's such an amazing tool. Yeah. Uh, I just um, I just signed up for Hype Fury, so I've got another year left with it. But it has already <laughs> changed my life in like two no a month. It's changed my life, and it's and it. Uh, they also give you tips as well, like you should post at these times or these many times. So it's pretty good. Oh, cool! Yeah. I was going to say on the on the topic of tips. So these are short and sweet episodes. So we're coming near the end, unfortunately, Leslie. But we always ask everyone we talk to for one killer tip, one digestible tip the audience can take away and start actioning straight away. It can be a straightforward tip. It could be a book, a, a following suggestion. What what would be your killer tip? Oh, killer tip. You should always have at least three channels in your cold outreach. Uh, And what I mean by that is like three channels could be a phone touch point, phone voicemail touch point, an email touch point, and potentially a LinkedIn touch point. But you have to give yourself an opportunity to meet your prospects where they're at. And if you say, you know, I'm only going to do LinkedIn or I'm only going to do email um, you are not giving yourself enough opportunities to connect with your prospects on the channel that they want to talk to you on. So at least three. Love it. Great stuff. Um, multi-channel prospecting is, is the way forward. And it's interesting because where I'm working now that so many of my prospects actually, you know, you go to their LinkedIn profile. Um, you know, I love LinkedIn. They haven't been on active on their LinkedIn in the last 30 days. And then if they haven't been active for the last three months, there's another, they haven't been active. And you think, oh my goodness, what are they doing? Mm -hmm. I can't get them on LinkedIn. Can I find them on Twitter? No. So 
Yeah, it's that important thing is sort of teaching them. So when I do get on a call with them, you need to use your LinkedIn. You need to not just be on your phone and email, but you also need to reach out to your prospects on, on social media too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe you get real creative and it's a direct mail or you hit them with some video, um, but keep it, you know, keep it fun. Sales and marketing should be fun, right? Yeah, or a fax machine. They're making a oh, comeback, no. aren't they? <laughs> oh, old school. <laughs> Imagine that sound. <laughs> I mean, you would read that. <laughs> Who even has fax <laughs> Well, I'm going to tell you something here. In a lot of, uh, so I, I outreach to German locations. Um, so like, you know, invest in Dusseldorf or wherever. And they have on their email signature, phone fax they still they still Love it. have that on their email signatures Love i haven't it. seen that just germans i don't know why but oh my yeah word. when i, I first started doing. we would fax proposals like whole seven page proposals out to prospects and like this was yeah. not like the 80s this was like 2008 2009 <laughs> we were sending seven page and everybody would queue behind the fax machine to like send their proposals out <laughs> i i do you know what? I've, I've got to throw this out there i got i got a cold email from a company a small a small marketing agency and they were saying it's bringing back faxes and they were doing mass fax campaigns to people now i've no idea how again you would attribute and track success on a fax but I thought it was quite interesting, you know, just mixing up a bit, mixing up a bit. I mean, I'd rather try a fax touchpoint than a cold FaceTime touchpoint. So let's go. Mm. <laughs> you know, you, you reminded me of one prospect I had that was, this is back in maybe 2003. Um, and I, I'd cold called them and they just said to me, do not send the proposal on email. Do not send it on fax. Send it in the post. And I was saying, but we've got fax and email. You don't want the proposal on fax? Oh, my. And, yeah, send it in the post. Um, so so that was, yeah, just, just, just bizarre. You're like, I will, but... <laughs> you need help. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of questions now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talking about culture and sales, though, that, you know, selling to, like, Europe and North America, definitely in Europe, you know, in France and Germany, you still really have to write your emails as dear and you still have to address them by their Mr. or Mrs. That, you know, I mean, it's just that they are getting onto this first name thing, but it's still, it, it's still quite appropriate if you're reaching out to them cold to send them something that's way, way too formal. Even it's in fast. True. It's true. I, I work with a lot of international clients. I mean, I spent my entire career pretty much in international companies and the difference of like emails for sure, but I feel like also when to use a slide deck is so like, if you show up to a presentation with German clients without a slide deck, they're going to be like, why did you show up unprepared? If you show up to like most of Europe without a slide deck, they're like, they, you don't need to go through it. They don't want to be talked at, but like, you know, have it there. And then if you come to the US and you show up with a slide deck, they're like, what is this nonsense? I don't <laughs> <laughs> like you can just send that over email and I'll read it on my own yeah. time. So it's, it's very, very interesting how, um, how those like geographic differences change the way that, but it, I mean, it's what we've been talking about this whole time, right? Like it's our responsibility as sales and marketing professionals to meet our prospects, to meet our buyers where they are at. And that includes channels that includes leaving with value and relevance. And that certainly includes, 
speaking to them and communicating with, with them in a way that, that, you know, is going to, to resonate and show, show respect. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I still feel even today now that, you know, culture is just not talked about enough in sales. I feel like a lot of the sales sort of techniques are adaptable across different cultures, but there's still a lot of nuances. You know, like you're saying, mm. it's, it, it, you can't, you know, it's not a one size fits all. And speaking of demos, it's actually a German group of prospect. Um, they hung up on me on a demo. It was about a year ago. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, cold. Yeah, because they wanted me to get to the, 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 they just wanted me to get straight to to the point. So um, they hung up yeah. on you. <laughs> you can't get to the point when you're not on the call. Okay, one guy <laughs> yeah. stayed on. One of the guys stayed on. He was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it was pretty awful. Poor soul that was just like stuck on the call with you after all of their colleagues had oh. hung up." Yeah, not pretty, pretty embarrassing, hey. But yeah, they're they're very set in their ways. So we've come up to time, and we could talk a hell of a lot more and go down sort of a lot more interesting topics and sales. Where can people find you, Leslie? Find me on TikTok at Sales Tips Talk. That is plural. I did not sound it out before I chose the handle. It's too late now. Um, find me on TikTok if you like video content. Uh, find me on LinkedIn as well. That's my primary channel. I post there daily. Um, and that's just my name, Leslie Vanets. Fantastic. It's been mm. great. And um, yeah, Leslie's TikTok is amazing. So um, to all of our listeners, um, follow her on there. She has some great tips, which is very funny as well. And um, don't forget to leave us a rating and review. Um, give us your real feedback. And we'll see you on the next show. <laughs>